This is Squawk Pod. I'm CNBC producer Katie Kramer. Today on our podcast, Fortnite taking on Apple in a series of choreographed moves, legal and Orwellian. We shall prevail. CNBC contributor and big technology founder Alex Kantrowitz says the free Fortnite campaign isn't such a bad idea. Apple has a monopoly on that store. It's good that we're seeing somebody challenge what Apple's doing. And we're going to New Jersey. New Jersey Governor Phil Murphy on what the U.S. needs from its government for a pandemic recovery. The overwhelming X factor is Congress needs to act. That phrase, go big or go home, I can't believe it, but they went home. Those stories plus mail-in COVID tests and a ruling on Amazon. Someone want to play Judge Judy this morning? It's Friday, August 14th, 2020. Squawk Pod begins right now. Good morning and welcome to Squawk Box right here on CNBC on this Friday morning. I'm Andrew Ross Sorkin along with Joe Kernan and Melissa Lee, who's hanging out with us once again today. Becky's off. we got a lot to get to this morning. Today we celebrate the first glorious anniversary of the information January 24th, Apple Computer will introduce Macintosh. And you'll see why 1984 won't be like 1984. We begin this morning with an epic battle over app stores. Fortnite maker Epic Games is taking on Apple and Google over what it calls anti-competitive behavior in their app stores. Yesterday, the company launched a new way to buy accessories on Fortnite, giving users a discount but cutting out Apple's in-app purchase services. That violated the terms of the App Store, which takes a cut of 30% of digital sales. Apple then removed Fortnite from the App Store, and Epic Games filed a lawsuit just within hours, and that means new users will not be able to download the game, and existing users won't be able to download any software updates. Google later followed Apple's lead, removing the game from the App Store, and was also hit with a lawsuit by Epic Games. The move was praised by Spotify and Match Group, which have both publicly complained about Apple's rules. In a statement, Apple said Epic Games enabled a feature that was not reviewed by the approval process. They did it with the express intent of violating the guidelines. Epic Games says it is not looking for compensation, but to legally force Apple to change its policies. It released a commercial parody of Apple's famous 1984 commercial, urging people to join the fight to stop 2020 from becoming 1984. That ad dropped within moments of news of that lawsuit, guys. So this was a choreographed move. And remember, it was just a month ago that Tim Cook spent about six hours on Capitol Hill defending the App Store and the practices there. What's to stop Apple from increasing its commission to 50 percent? We, Sir, we have never increased commissions in the store since the first day it operated in 2008. There's nothing to stop you from doing so, is it? No, sir, I disagree strongly with that. There is a competition for developers just like there's a competition for customers. This to me was not. Yeah, go ahead, Joe. No, 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 no. I, I, I'm go- I, I was going to do some social commentary, uh, Andrew. You're probably going to do something actually uh, relevant. But uh, yeah, I was just going to say, remember The Simpsons when uh, I think it was like 2004, Donald Trump ran for president and won and it was I don't know. People point back at that and think it's present. So they said that 2020 was going to be 1984. 
Gee, lucky that didn't happen, right? Um, talk about prescient, because here we are, baby. Um, I mean, in terms of, I mean, how many different things, burn, uh, burning books is a different one, but uh, we are living in, in uh, Orwellian times. And, you know, this was obviously a different take Applehead back then, but here we, here we are. And so many days I, I wake up and I, I read something or see something and I go, wow, it, it came true. It came true. Do you disagree with me, Melissa? Or? I, I really view the commercial, uh, Joe, as, as, you know, the masses being all the, all the app developers that are just mindlessly accepting the terms of right. Apple and Google's, you, you know, agreements yeah, to hand hap- over 30% that's not happening anywhere of, their, else. of their revenues. Right. Cancel culture. Um, right. You know, if you, if you dare to go against the conventional thing, in fact, if you don't support something enough, you don't even have to speak out against it. But if you're not seen supporting something enough, you might get canceled. I mean, we're living in, I, I mean, Apple, I, I just think that little did they know, but, um, and little did Orwell know, really. Uh, but here we are. Uh, anyway, do you, I, I'm not a Fortnite guy. You're not, uh, do your kids play Sorkin? My kid, we don't, we don't allow our kids to play. I, I just want to make one comment about what Melissa had mentioned about the, the sort of thoughtless uh, developers that, that I think Epic was trying to, to make a statement about it. And let's just also say this is about, this is a publicity event. This is not a, a negotiation, what's happening here. There's nothing genuine about it. They had their lawsuits ready to go. They had their ads ready to go. Um, I've always thought if you're a developer, you make a conscious choice to decide to develop on a particular platform. The platform has particular rules. Uh, this would be the equivalent of deciding that you want to build a product that's only going to be sold at Walmart or only going to be sold at uh, particular stores. Those stores, they, they take up shelf space. Sometimes you pay to either be on the shelf or they take, a, they take a cut of the deal. You know what the deal is. Epic knew what the deal was. Um, I, I have lots of questions and, and maybe more troublesome issues when Apple starts either copying programs or, 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 or apps that others have made and then creates an Apple version and then advantages well, that version over somebody else's version. That, I think, is a real issue. I think I've, ne- I've never really Apple understood Music, this idea. I'm, well, no, no. And we can, that's what I'm saying. We can have a debate about whether used, uh, creating an app that effectively matches or tries to better somebody else's app uh, is appropriate or not and how that should work. I think that's a fair argument or a fair debate to have, at least. I think it's a crazy debate to say that somehow Apple is not entitled to, uh, to take uh, some kind of share, having built this platform, having built this device. I believe that users buy the device knowing what the deal is. Um, and, you know, Eric Schmidt once said something very interesting, which is, you know, all of these app developers who are so thrilled or, or desperately want uh, to actually either make the, the apps all free. By the way, many of them are free and get that service unto itself, meaning the curation and everything else that Apple does for them. Uh, but who is the ultimate loser in this, actually? The consumer is the ultimate loser because ultimately you're going to pay more for this thing when it's all over. That's what it is. If you're, for, if you're for breaking up Apple or you're for breaking up the App Store, the cost is to you, the consumer, you will pay more for the phone when it's all over. Because there won't be service revenue. I, I'm not sure so, the um, argument is breaking up the app store, but but maybe maybe reducing that cut of thirty percent. And I understand all of your points from so, Apple's but, perspective. But are you, hold on, so you're suggesting the government have, should regulate gotten, the government? No, the government no, should regulate I, I would never the price. That the, no, 
No, but who's getting right, Terry? Just so who's power here? Think, I'm getting think Terry. about think about the tentacles around Fortnite. Fortnite is owned in majority by Tencent. Tencent also owns a majority right. stake in Riot Games. Riot Games is scheduled to yep. put League of Legends on mobile later on in the fall. If they banded together and said, you know, we're not going to put our very popular games on these phones, then and in the app store, there could be a backlash among some hardcore gamers and, and other people. Um, and, and they won't buy the, but, the iPhone. And anymore. that's a business I mean, decision. And we're going to see, effects. look, ultimately, True. And ultimately, Apple has to keep its developer community and customer community happy. So that that's the business negotiation. But I think what's happening here is Epic is going to try not to negotiate actually in, in the in the public space, in the real public space. They're going to try to negotiate with government and, and, and hope that the government comes in to do something. I think it's going to if that were to happen, it would take a very, very long time. I think Epic is a loser in the short term, not the long term. But by the way, most I mean, of, most it, it, people who play Fortnite do it on a computer anyway, or they do it on a, a, um, a console. That's the truth. Did, did you listen to yourself, Andrew, talking about how uh, this business is doing something very well? Why should it be penalized even though yep. it's big? Why should the government? Co- yep. I mean, I sat here. And that's I, why I, I didn't have I, to I, say anything. I, I, I was getting a little teary, I, but... What happened? Who are you? Where are you? When did this? I, did you sleep I, okay? What, I've always what, told you I, I'm your... not ideological. There's nothing ideological about my approach to life. I just try to take. I try to. I try to call the balls and the strikes. All right. Well, you're doing well today, and you, and you. you have re- no one could complain about your umping. Joining us right now to talk all about this is Alex Kentrowitz, big technology founder and CNBC contributor. Alex. Uh, what, do, what do you make of this? To me, this, there, there's, a, there's a lot of real underlying issues here, but it, there's also a spectacle publicity element to it. Uh, Epics does this. They do it knowingly against the guidelines of the policy, knowing they're going to get taken off, off, off the, uh, the platform. They have their lawsuit ready. They have their, their ad video ready. How does this play out? That's right. I don't think it's any uh, accident that Epic went right after Apple's brand, which Apple has worked very hard to cultivate. Apple is a luxury product. And so what Epic is doing is trying to make this a battle for Apple where it says, okay, do you want 30% of our revenue in the App Store? Well, now you have to go from a company that everybody looks up to to a company that owns what it does, which is rent collects on the App Store and takes 30% of our revenue. And that's why Epic has had this public relations campaign ready to go. It's why it spoke about Apple's history in the lawsuit. And it's why this was so planned, one move after the other to show the public that this is actually what Apple is. And if Apple is going to take our money, they better own what they're doing. Alex, it sounds like you, you may be on the side of Epic here. Well, look, I mean, I ask myself, what does Apple, what, what do developers get from the 30% that they pay Apple in terms of the revenue that they, they hand over to stay on the, on the App Store? Uh, so they get the right to exist. That's one thing. They get quick payments. That's another and then I'm like going through the list and I'm like, well, what else are they getting? And is that amount of money actually worth it? And, and would they be paying anybody else that amount of money unless, um, you know, that other person had a monopoly? And I don't I don't think it is worth it. I mean, I think 30 percent is egregious. Feels like protection money to me. And, you know, maybe we get somewhere in a 10 to 15 percent range. That seems like the right amount for a developer to pay to Apple because Apple does provide some value. But the number right now is just totally out of whack. And it exists because. You know, Apple has a monopoly on that store. So I think that, like, yeah, it's good that we're seeing somebody challenge what Apple's doing. Alex, let me ask you a question, which is you build a store from scratch 
You build a, a, a complete industry from scratch. Epic and everybody else decides they want to create product to sell in that store. They know what the pricing scheme is at that store. And mind you, by the way, if you sell a product at Walmart or, a, or at a supermarket, in some cases, you pay for shelf space. You pay uh, uh, some, some percentage of sales. It, that, that's the business. In many cases, as you know, apps on, on Apple don't even charge anything, in which case Apple gets nothing for it. And by the way, also spends an enormous amount of money curating it approving each, 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 um, each iteration of the app, that's people, that's cost. So I, I don't, I get your argument, but I also see a, a, another side, which I think is actually pretty persuasive. Well, here's the counter argument, right? You have uh, Apple, that's basically the only show in town, right? You don't like what's going on inside Walmart, you go to your neighborhood store. You don't like what's going on inside the Apple App Store. You know, you, you, where are you going to go? You mean, maybe you could go to Google, but Google is doing the same exact thing. Build your game on the web. The web is completely open season. You could can, you can build your game as a uh, right there uh, on the Internet. Fire up Safari, free to everybody. The experience isn't as good. I, I accept that. But part of what you're paying for as a developer is the experience of what you get. Right. And I think that I mean, I think that Apple should definitely charge developers for what they're uh, what they're getting. But the question is, like, do developers have any wiggle room? Can they even have an opportunity to negotiate with a company like Apple? And what Epic is showing is not, it's not really the case. So I think that Apple should charge. It's definitely providing a value. But there should be, this is how markets work, right? You want to have the ability for, like, the supplier and the demander to actually figure out a price that makes sense versus the supplier set the price and you're sort of out of the market otherwise. Well, why should Apple back down, Alex? I mean, they can just say... Go, go over to Google Play, just and they can't exist on Google Play. Google's already kicked them off. Um, and, and so what is there, what impetus is there for Apple to say, you know what, we'll, we'll sit down at the bargaining table with you and bring down that nice 30% cut that we've been getting all these years? Apple should back down because rent collecting is bad for its business long term, right? So you have to decide as a business, do you want to make your money milking your asset or do you want to make your money innovating into the future? And right now, Apple has decided that it wants to be a rent collector. And I mean, it's worked out fine under Tim Cook. I won't deny that. But the question is, if you think about Apple's long-term sustainability, does it want to build a culture where its business is taking a, a fee off of other people's businesses? Or does it want to force itself to invent itself, invent its way into the future? If I'm Apple, and I'm thinking long-term, right, I want to have a more inventive culture, not a more asset-milking culture. And, you know, as long as the company continues to rely on other people's money to make its bottom line, uh, it's going to turn stodgy, slow, bureaucratic, and I think it will eventually fall apart. So if I'm Apple, like the case right here to, to back down is to think about where I'm going in the long term, and it should be in an inventive way, not a rent-seeking way. Alex, we got to run, but one final question. Do you think they should negotiate with every single developer independently on price? Not have a standard price? I think price? the best way for Apple to get this is to drop their feet from from 30% to maybe 20%. It's going to make a, a short-term hit, but I think in the long run, uh, it will be better for Apple as a company. Okay. Uh, Alex, uh, great to see you. Always great to get your perspective. Uh, love to engage and debate with you. So uh, thanks so much. Have a great weekend. Coming up on Squawk Pod, New Jersey's governor on his state's new coronavirus cases. 98% of folks getting tested are 
are negative, so please God, it stays that way. That state of affairs in the Garden State and the governor's plea to fellow lawmakers when we come back. This is Squawk Pod. Welcome to Squawk Box here on CNBC. I'm Joe Kernan. Along with Andrew Ross Sorkin, I am where Andrew wants to be. And I think that's the first time I've been able to say that. Melissa Lee uh, is with us as well. And Becky uh, is off today in the Garden State. Uh, Andrew, you're finally it becomes clear that you've you've been looking I'm at heading me, to the Garden uh, State, sort of jealous, he- heading to the Garden State now, to the shore. Mostly. Do, uh, is that too specific? I, I don't want to get too specific, but is, uh, to the, is that what we're to talking the shore? About? I don't know. I, I have to say I've never first time. I, I don't want to say specifically, but yes, we're going to the water. But I don't I've never been there. So this is I will come back with a full report card on my New Jersey experience. But um, I, I will be coming to your great yes, state. You will. And um Hopefully spending money there and, and enjoying the uh, yep. the benefits of uh, coming wonders, back with, with a tan and, and some Jersey. ink and some ink. I would I would imagine here or here or uh, it's somewhere. I might. But uh, you can't go to the shore without without getting uh, I would get a CNBC. Uh, what about a squawk? Bo- no, don't get a squawk box. That, that's that's too permanent. Anyway, yesterday, the state uh, hit an August high for new coronavirus cases for more. Uh, let's welcome New Jersey Governor Phil Murphy. It's a new high, but uh, compared to uh, to earlier months, hopefully we still manageable. Uh, Governor Murphy, wh- wh- what's your gut feeling about um, what schools should do right now? I think you have a stated opinion that it's best for everyone if we try to to, to get these schools open for for a myriad uh, for myriad reasons. But is it going to be possible, or will we have to backtrack? Joe, good to be with you. Um, And let me first address the fact that you're absolutely right. We had 699 positives yesterday. That's the the highest we've had in a while. But folks have to remember, we were over 4,000 a day uh, in the thick of this. We also have a positivity rate that's been hovering around 2%. Uh, So we're watching this like a hawk. I don't like that number, but the fact of the matter is 98% of folks getting tested are, are negative. So please, God, it stays that way. Um, you're absolutely right. We have an expressed desire, assuming our principles are safely, uh, high-quality education, equity, with all of that wrapped uh, with flexibility. And you're absolutely right. Our hope and desire and objective is to get uh, safely, responsibly, in-person instruction. The fact of the matter is a lot of districts, in fact, at the moment, the majority will be able to have some form of that on day one, but there are legitimate reasons why a bunch of districts uh, will not be able to get there on day one. So what we announced this week is we're going to work with them. They need to present a plan as to what the gaps are, how they're going to address those. We'll work with them to address them, and what's a reasonable date that they can be back in some form of in-person. And it can be, Joe, uh, very simply, we have plexiglass that's on back order, or we don't have enough masks, or it can be all the way to more complicated things like ventilation in an old school building. So we want in person, but we want to make sure we're safe uh, doing it. There are uh, reopenings in some other states that, that seem to be in, in uh, maybe more precarious shape than, than New Jersey. And I'm, and I'm talking about uh, recently we heard about AMC. I think they're opening in less than a week uh, at 100 locations. A lot of people really want some new movies to come out. I know some people that, that, uh, that are close to me waiting for Tenet, the big spy thriller yep. to come out. They want New Jersey to open up the theaters. When, when will that happen uh, for AMC in the Garden State? 
I, I honestly don't know, Joe. I mean, that is, a, that, that is complicated. So we still have not gotten to indoor dining yet. I hope we get there sooner than later. And I, I hope that we will. <clears throat> I'd almost say I expect that we will. Indoor movie theaters are hard. Um, you can social distance. You can mandate face coverings. Uh, but you're sedentary. Uh, you're subject to the ventilation of that particular theater. I'm as big a movie fan as there is in New Jersey. And by the way, the movie business started in New Jersey, I might add. Uh, so I want to get back to, I want to see Tenet as well. Uh, but that's a really tough one, and I can't give you a date on that. Hey, Governor, we, I know that my colleague Andrew Ross Sorkin um, wants to get in. If we show him a good time, he's going to vacation in New Jersey next week. If we show him a good time, we got a chance of landing him out there. That's like almost getting a sports team or something to come to, to, come to your state. Um, but I, I know he that's has huge. a question for you. Without paying huge. all the incentives, too. So, Joe, you and I will work on that right. privately. Governor, I, I am headed to your state. I got tested, by the way, just yesterday because we're going to have a family, a little family reunion in your state, and uh, we're, we're looking forward to it. Um, getting a lot of questions on Twitter, literally, as you were speaking, I imagine from people who are based in Jersey, uh, asking about reopening of gyms, uh, which, of course, is another controversial topic. Yep. What do you think? That's, an, that, that's another one. You're absolutely right, Andrew. We're not there yet on that either. There's a lot of emotion around that. Overwhelmingly, people have had responsible emotion. There have been a few folks who have gone off the rails. But I hope we get there under pretty significant uh, parameters. I hope, just as I, could, I said about indoor dining, I hope if we could keep the numbers in check that we could get there sooner than later. It's, it's, it's good at many levels, including physical health, mental health, blowing off some steam. We want to get there, but we got to do it safely. I wanted to Melissa. ask about another controversial topics, topic and, and maybe uh, an even more controversial one, and that is taxes. Uh, your state treasurer has indicated that she anticipates a, a, a tax shortfall of about $10 billion through, the, through next summer. And you have indicated that it could be twice that because of this pandemic. In recent days, you've talked about raising taxes. How do you think about raising taxes at a time when, through the pandemic, we have seen that workers and families are more mobile than ever with their jobs and can easily leave New Jersey if they choose so if you raise taxes? Yeah, I would say it's a very good question. Uh, we're going to get back to fiscal uh, well-being uh, based on four different principles. Uh, number one, the ability to borrow money, which we just were, were uh, allowed to do by our Supreme Court. Number two, to cut expenses, in some cases expenses that will hurt, uh, but we have no choice. Number three is look at, at raising revenues to raise the money to address the enormous inequities that this virus has laid bare. Uh, so that's not, that's not raising revenues on working families and middle class. That's on the folks and is entities that, that can tax? afford it. That is, uh, listen, I'm, I've been for a millionaire's tax for many years and I remain so. But let me tell you the big X factor, which I have to, have to address. The overwhelming X factor is Congress needs to act. The Republican leadership in the Senate needs to meet on common ground the House, the House uh, Heroes Act. The president needs to sign it. Everything from unemployment insurance to small businesses, restaurants, hospitality, and direct cash assistance to states and local entities. If that happens, and it happens in significant amounts of numbers, that gives us an enormous amount of degrees of freedom that we don't have now. And that's not a blue state thing. It's an American state thing. If you get money from the government, you won't raise taxes? 
No, I won't say that, but the, 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 the degrees of freedom we will have uh, if we get the appropriate amount, and not, like, not just New Jersey, any American state, uh, will be light years different from where we are right now. We will separately, uh, aggressively address the inequities uh, that have been exposed and laid bare over the past number of months. I, I hope that didn't ruin things with, with Sorkin. Uh, Andrew, everybody's going to be raising revenue. I, I hope that's not going to be the issue. It still won't be as you bad know, as New York. You know my view. I'm, I'm happy to pay my taxes. Oh, Very okay. happy I to know. pay that's my taxes. Your, I, I don't, okay. don't want to okay. overpay right, my taxes. I think we've got to get a balance, but I, I'm happy to pay the tax. I've been, <laughs> especially during this pandemic, I, as I've said to you before, I think we have all been blessed, and I, I actually think we have a, a contribution to make. Uh, and that's that's our contribution in, in, in yeah, this world. Yeah, 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 uh, yeah, yeah. Right I know, I know, I know, I know. I know. Listen, yeah, Joe and Andrew, a, you, I will say this. You just need this. to be able to hit a button. But, yeah, go you ahead. Know, we, we've been coming out of several decades of government's not the answer, government's the problem. When government has worked in this crisis, uh, I think it's made a point that we have, uh, you know, if you're looking for silver linings in this awful tragedy, and it's an, the tragedy here is uh, over 14,000 lost lives, government, when it works, it's worth it. Yeah, there, we're all uh, socialists in a foxhole. I mean, that, I think that's the new uh, that's the new expression. Uh, it, it, we do appreciate it. It's like when you need a lawyer when you're in trouble. Suddenly we all love lawyers all, all of a sudden. Anyway, Governor, we want to see you again soon. I was going to ask you about the uh, the executive orders. I know you think it's unworkable to do the payroll tax. It is tough. But, uh, you know, uh, when Congress goes home in the middle of a, of, a, of a crisis, I don't know what else you're, what else you're supposed to do. Right. It's just, listen, that, that phrase, go big or go home, I can't believe it, but they went home. Yeah. Anyway, thanks a lot, Governor. We appreciate it. We'll, we'll see you around. Good to see Thank you, guys. Next on Squawk Pod, how are you prepping for summer staycations? Andrew's prepping mentally. There's parts of New Jersey I love, and then there's parts of New Jersey where you go down that highway and you got to hold your nose. And all of us are prepping physically. I got tested yesterday. The company called Vault. They send it to you in the mail. It's the saliva test developed by Rutgers. I took it this week as well. More on that mail-in overnight COVID test right after this. You're listening to Squawk Pod today with Joe Kernan, Andrew Ross Sorkin, and Melissa Lee. Here's Joe. Nationwide uh, COVID testing delays are making it harder for officials to track the virus and stop its spread, but... While some states have long turnaround uh, times, others have excess testing capacity. Meg Terrell joins us now uh, with more highlighting just the totally it's not monolithic at all in this country. Not even states. It's counties, too, sometimes, Meg. Yeah, Joe, that's right. You know, we've been hearing these anecdotes about people waiting two or three weeks for their test results, but we've been hearing from other places they do have excess capacity. So we tried to get a handle on what's actually happening, and we found that this information is really not uniformly reported by health departments around the country. So we partnered with a survey company called Dynata to try to collect this data, and they surveyed more than 9,000 Americans for us uh, in all 50 states to try to get a sense of where testing is in this country. Here are the national results. Uh, what they found is that 
you know, maybe 25% get their results same day or next day, 35% within two to three days. And that's what experts say needs to happen. Ashish Jha at Harvard says anything more than three days is essentially useless, and you really want under two days to be able to quarantine and do contact tracing. But guys, that 60% under three days still means 40% are basically getting what experts say are useless test results. And we found a lot of variation when we looked at individual states themselves. Essentially, all states on average, uh, the respondents said they were getting test results within two to five days. Indiana there at more than five. The dark green states were the shorter testing turnaround times. Uh, we talked with Ashish Jha about what these numbers really mean in terms of our testing strategy in the U.S. And here's what he told us. Do I think that it would be helpful to have a national testing strategy in the middle of a global pandemic? I do. Uh, I don't think that having 50 states and a district each figure out their own pandemic approach uh, is the most efficient way to do this. So guys, the fact that some states like Massachusetts may have excess capacity, whereas you're waiting a long time in places like Indiana or Arizona, you know, we're not really solving for that problem with our strategy right now. Andrew? Uh, Meg, uh, thank you for that report. I should tell you, maybe I'll tell the audience, I got tested yesterday uh, because I'm going on a vacation of sorts next week with our 97-year-old grandmother-in-law, and we all decided, everybody who's going on this vacation together, uh, we're going to be living in a little house together, decided to get tested. But we're getting it overnight. It's costing us a, a small, I don't know, a small fortune. It's $150 a person. There's <laughs> a company called Vault. They send it to you in the mail. Um, you spit into it. It's a spit test. I don't know if you think it's quality or not. They do it over Zoom, so they, they watch you do it. You put it into this envelope. You pop it back off of, to UPS overnight, and uh, supposedly I'll get my result uh, later today. So we'll see how it all well, works. But uh, Andrew, if, if you're willing you, to pay the I money, I think that, that, that you can get the – what you say? No, you're totally right, Andrew. I did a story about Vault a couple weeks ago. Uh, it is a high-quality test. It's the saliva test developed by Rutgers. I took it this week as well, actually, for a vacation next week with family. And it did take me longer now, this week, than it took me a few weeks ago to get my results and actually to get that Zoom appointment. So send it in pretty quickly. You'll get the results back within yes. two to three days. Okay. Uh, Meg, thank you for uh, your report and uh, for your help. You were, by the one, who, I think, who, when you first mentioned Vault that uh, I started talking to family about that one. We've got a couple of interesting corporate stories to tell you about in debate. A California Court of Appeals ruling that Amazon can be held liable for damages caused by defective goods sold on its marketplace. That issue is this, a defective laptop battery that caught fire and gave a woman third-degree burns. The woman bought the battery from a third-party seller on Amazon's site. Amazon successfully fended off the lawsuits for years that tried to place liability on the company for faulty products sold through the site. Third-party sellers currently account for about 60% of Amazon's e-commerce sales. Guys, who do you think should be liable? You wanna, who wants, does someone want to play Judge Judy this morning? I don't know. It seems like it's opening up a can of worms in terms of liability for Amazon. It would, it would imply that they would have to review every single product and stand by the safety of that product, which, which is a huge undertaking. I don't know, though. If you sell, if you sell a product, should, you, it, should online stores be different than a, than a brick-and-mortar store, a smaller store? If it was a vertically integrated store, meaning a, like a Lululemon, you walk into the Lululemon store, you buy the Lululemon product, you hurt yourself. I, it's hard to hurt yourself with such stretchy pants, but you know what I mean. Joe probably knows what you mean. Speaking of which, uh, my stretchy pants, I don't like anything that emboldens the bar, the torque. Bar. So, I, you know, you know where I stand on this. And, and that sounds like you're you're moving back. All to, those magnetic to, to business cards old, going after the ambulances. Right, Joe? 
Oh, yeah. How many in other countries like the, we have lawyers as you know, watching us and most of them hate me, but for some reason, I don't know why. But but I'm not going to get into that. But we have a lot per capita here. We got plenty. And they, you know, a lot of times they create I'm a son their own of a business, lawyer, also a son like. of a you know what. But yeah. Yeah, exactly. No, no, I know. So am I. So am I. My birth father. So am I. So am I, Sorkin. So we got uh, I, I found out that uh, that late in life. We got that uh, anyway, together. I was fixated on I was fixated on your chairs again because you somehow are able to change your background. If I touch anything here, I'm afraid the, the entire place may go up in flames. I'm serious. I, I mean, yesterday I had no return and. I'm afraid. How do you do, you're you're comfortable changing the wiring of your of where you are? And I don't want to put you on the spot, Andrew. And we got to get to something else in a second. But I need to know more about this this upcoming vacation, whether it involves one of the one of the states that we're worried about, because I think now there are no, 48 states. I'm going to your you state, go Joe. Without- I'm going to your state. We're going to New Jersey. OK, we're we're, we're having a little uh, family it, it reunion, family gathering all together. In New Jersey. Okay, because I was wondering, does it involve, you know, families, does it involve flying, which could involve net jets? But I didn't think that, you know, I know nope. you probably weren't going to do that. Driving. So it's a, it's we a might have to pay some tolls. To a state where you, I mean, you know, you know why yeah. I'm holed up here, right? I made the mistake of going to one of the 48 states where you're not allowed to ever, you know, come back to this part of the world again if you go there. So that's why it's a 14-day quarantine if you go anywhere, Uh Sorkin, did you know that? Melissa, right. did you know that? I, I, but I think I'm okay. And I've been in quarantine no, the whole time. I okay and I'll probably come back to the quarantine. So, I, I think I'm, I'm yeah. okay, too. But a, anyway. I, I do it every day, actually. <laughs> not for that reason. <laughs> and I'm not, not for that reason. Uh, there, there's, there not may for, be some other reasons Not for a Sorkin family like, reunion, no. <laughs> exactly. Uh, All right. You know, I hope you. Uh, uh, I hope you change your negative uh, view of, of New Jersey uh, after that, Sorkin, because you've talked about the factories on, on you know, on I ninety five or on on the Turnpike, and that's true. You know, you've made some comments. Uh, you've made some comments in the past. You, there are beautiful parts of New your, Jersey. We, we, there's parts of New Jersey I love, and then there's parts of New Jersey where you go down that highway and you gotta you gotta hold your nose because it's 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 you know. Garden State. My Maybe friend. you should drive by the Kernan Estate and wave. He's been here. He's been here. He's, I've he's, been. You, I've you, been. There's there's the Kernan compound. There's room for you. <laughs> there's room for me. They're, they're moving us on now. That's Squawk Pod for today and for another week. Thank you for being here and for sticking with us during the delays, when the dogs bark, and when the phones continue to ring, all while we try to bring you the best moments from our three-hour morning show. Squawk Box is hosted by Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Tune in weekday mornings on CNBC at 6 a.m. Eastern. Subscribe to Squawk Pod and tell us how you're listening. On a faster speed to save time? I've heard that one. While you're cooking dinner? I've heard that one too. You can leave us a comment on your favorite podcast platform or on Twitter at Squawk CNBC. We'll meet you back here on Monday. Have a good weekend. 